Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from orphaned orcs to orating oracles. And today we're talking about Orcus. All right, Brian. So to cap off our October spectacular specials, it's Halloween. I figured, Spooky. why not end with the Lord of Undeath himself, Orcus, one of the uh, other demon lord princes or whatever, yeah. self-proclaimed. Yeah. Indeed, Orcus is a powerful demon lord known as the Demon Prince, Prince of Undeath. He's also known as the Blood Lord. Um, in the Abyss, <laughs> Lord of Blood. Yeah, in the Abyss, even though there's a distinct lack of blood. In both his plane of existence and just his general presence. Probably in most of the abyss, there's like probably, well, there's probably an abyss layer that's just made of blood. Oh, blood ocean, like a blood ocean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He exactly. definitely is like in charge of that randomly. Yeah, that's someone also else's his, plane. For sure. Yeah. Um, so in the abyss, Orcus is second in power only to Demogorgon. They all just said it in their in their minds, so okay. like I'm not gonna do this anymore, Will. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. And <laughs> arguably, he's equally as powerful, okay, as the Big D. We'll call him. Uh, <laughs> either way, uh, they are the biggest rivals in, of all demon kind. <laughs> um, I can't. Okay, <laughs> he's depicted as having a corpulent and foul humanoid body, uh, stinking of disease, and covered in sores. Um, he has the legs of a goat, and the head his head is the skull of a ram with glowing red eyes. Ooh. Uh, he has great black bat wings that protrude from his back. In his hands, he wields a powerful and malevolent mace-like rod known as the Wand of Orcus. There's a lot, been a lot of discussion lately about the Wand of Orcus in our Discord, etc. That doesn't surprise me. It's an incredibly powerful art- artifact, and it's one of the things that kind of makes Orcus a 
fucking bad. God, by the time also because he made it himself. By the time people are hearing this, it's not going to be true anymore, though. <laughs> eh, whatever. Like the it way was we record, true at one point. It was true at one point. Yeah. There, there was a discussion about it. So which, the okay. So the wand of Orcus is made of obsidian and it's topped with an enormous humanoid skull, which we'll talk about Ooh. more later. Uh, Orcus himself stands at about fifteen feet tall, so this rod is really enormous. That's almost as tall as what's his face. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're about the same height. Okay. Um, so Orcus is a cruel, uh, malevolent, and fiercely intelligent being. Uh, he's known for his deep and unyielding hatred for all others in the universe outside of himself. Uh, even his most devout and useful or resourceful of followers, he holds nothing but contempt and disdain for. His hatred of others is so potent, in fact, that he highly prefers to surround himself with thralls of undead rather than the living or demonic. So. I mean... I can get with that. Though he does have both <laughs> living and demonic people that serve him as well. Okay. Um, his his immortal life goal is essentially to snuff out all life in the universe, Sweet. but his own, um, and basically just surround himself with mindless undead. And I figure there's like, they don't talk about it, but there's like got to be blood war incentives, right? Like, What do you mean? Like he's participating in the blood war? Oh yeah, he, he participates in the blood war. I think Orcus participates just mostly because, I think... They're He's like just, obligated to, right? Hmm? Like as demons, kind of. Because I mean, because if even if they weren't to invade Beator, Beator would just invade them, and like yeah, they would. Ha- they're gonna have to do the thing. Yeah, but also demons. The demons see devils as the greatest threat. They each see each other as the greatest threat to themselves. So right. Okay. Their both of their goals is to annihilate the other before then moving on to the rest of the cosmos. Yeah. So yeah. there it is. Uh, it must be said that uh, Orcus also hates the dead. <laughs> He just hates them a little bit less than the living. Okay. He just can tolerate them a little bit more. The standard dead. They're not as annoying because they're not in your face about it all the time. Right. Um, despite hating everybody and being intolerant of everybody, Orcus probably has the most impressive and immense number of followers amongst like mortal kind. Uh, that tends to be true in the real world as well, the world that you and I live in. Yeah, fair it enough. It seems like people really love Orcus. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah. he's kind of a badass. We'll tell his story today. Um, he has an unto- he has well number one he has an untold nearly infinite number of undead legions that serve him neat um, zombies white skeletons wraiths and especially ghouls ghouls are kind of his thing so are death knights but ghouls are he's like the source of the origin of ghouls all right and he's got like a ghoul king who like is like one of his generals that's so fucking cool so. that is cool these uh, innumerable... Uh, I'm the ghoul king. Uh, yeah, he's the yeah, ghoul king. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. The, uh, these innumerable hordes are, for the most part, the lowest and least favorite of his minions. Mm. Even though he tolerates them best, they're also, like, they're mindless for the most part. Not all of them, but most of them are. Okay. Above the the undead minions are his the members of his prolific cult of Orcus, made up of both living and undead worshippers who basically spread the word of Orcus. Um and kind of just spread his influence among the various planes of the abyss. Um, members of the cult of Orcus are like warlocks, dark clerics that he grants powers to, wizards and necromancers, and even vampires. Nice. Like just just an unscrupulous group of dudes. Dubious <laughs> <laughs> <Stubious> dudes. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. Um, his cult members are granted dark powers by Orcus himself and uh, just, you know, spread death in his name is all he asks. It's like uh, sewing a magical thread through like beyond planes of existence to like power a warlock or whatever or like give somebody something i like i i've been thinking more about like since i've been playing a warlock like how the funnel of magic power works to get to the the body i guess okay like you're a conduit of some sort really yeah kind of more what kind it of. seems like yeah 
So like, well, what does it look like? You know, in fi- in a physics way. Like, let's let's talk some fantasy physics because we haven't done so in a while. Welcome okay. to fantasy physics, everybody. Let's okay, talk about how warlocks get their shit going. <clears throat> okay. What, what what do you think? Like, so one of the things I liked about fourth edition was. Warlocks had to use both their charisma and their constitution when it came to their spell casting. Mm-hmm. And I like this because the way I pictured was it like was that they basically had access to like the stream of power outside of their body. Yeah, yeah. And they had to wrestle with it like with their force of will, but also this physically exerted them to cast spells. Right. Um that's how I tend to picture warlock casting. Yeah, okay. I I'm more talking about like how what what so so Orcus is the power source. Right. So he's putting out some kind of magical... He's able to grant a warlock power. Right. So is that different? Does that look different? What would that like look like? Or like how would you explain how the power is being transferred? You know what I mean? Um, is it like a spoken, like I speak these magic words and now there's like some kind of conduit between you and me? Or like... Well, there's like a dark contract binding them. Like yeah, that okay. has its own magical properties to itself. Remember, a warlock that fucks up will become a deathlock. Um and this is because of the contract. Now, I would say that the contract probably just kind of creates like a direct line of energy between the two. Right, probably. okay. That's how I would probably describe that. Cuz I was like, what else? What's like that's a good that's like a solid answer, I think. Yeah. Like, what if this energy, what if there are all these energies all around and now I'm just a lightning rod for this particular kind and when I need to draw upon it, I can. That's a cool way to look at it. The way I pictured it is basically a, imagine an invisible string. Yeah, okay, that's what I was the thinking. Warlock yeah. to the patron. And the warlock pro- or the patron probably has a network like a web of strings and, and can tug these strings and like locate any of their warlocks at any given time. God, man, that makes the like the mental capacity of like something like a demon doing things like this is mm-hmm. just like this beyond is why, me. Yeah, this is why they're hyper intelligent, like higher beings or whatever that can do this. Cool. Um, but yeah, so like I was saying, Orcus is easily is the demon lord with the largest group of mortals directly worshiping him as a deity. Um, because of this, uh, he's also the demon lord closest to attaining actual godhood. Right. Um, and he has actually been a god before, and we will talk about that. Nice. So he's been both a demon lord and a deity. Um, above, above his normal clergy in the hierarchy are the various powerful and high-level demons that Orcus allows to serve him, you know, like Balors and Merilis, like any of the high-level demons that he just happens to have serving him, they, they right. would be higher than his regular clergy or his undead minions, you know, just... I trust you with the big jobs. Yeah, you're big, you're powerful, you're probably pretty smart, yeah, okay. exactly. Um... Also at this level would be uh, his death priests, the his death priest hierophants, which are like basically they're like the cardinals of his clergy. Okay, if nice. You will uh, yeah, they're the highest order of the cult of Orcus, or- or- and they the, these people tend to be like incredibly insane and demented mortals who have oh, shit. like risen to the highest rank, and they they teeter on the edge between life and death. Are they like Palpatine, the equivalent of like Palpatine's red robe guys? Sure, no. I think those guys are just elite guards. Okay. (laughs) I think they've probably been, like, ultra-quantified at this point in mm -hmm. the newer movies. I don't know. Um, I think there's a fight scene with them. Yeah, they've been pretty quantified even with the extended universe. Yeah, Even though that was thrown out, but but yeah. But they're, they're like, they're just, they're like the popes of Orcus. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could say. I don't know. Okay, I like it. Um, Anyways. And then finally, um... As I was saying, like with the with the uh, with the Ghoul King, above that last class of servants, like 
Orcus has many unique and powerful beings that serve him as generals and, and allies, like uh, Dorisane, the king of ghouls, uh, Sararak, the powerful and legendary lich. We actually talked about him in the lich episode. He has a uh, a servant called uh, Ferilicus, who is a, an Abyssian dragon. Now, apparently Orcus ended up... Um, capturing and subjugating a group of red dragons and then oh. he started breeding them for more power and like Ferilicus is like the culmination of that so it's like this mega big ultra powerful red abyssal dragon that's also a little bit dumb so it just follows simple commands oh okay nice. so again we're making dragons or bitch on the dungeon cast yeah <laughs> dude what's up with dragons in dungeons and dragons <laughs> i don't know get on it <laughs> um also, uh, you know, other various, like, powerful demons. Uh, Death Knights, again, like, he created the first 12 Death Knights in existence. God, so. so it must be, like, all the demon lords have, like, so they, they, this really chaotic feel of, like, my my sickest lineup, my first line of dudes. You know, right, like, right. <laughs> I'm just grabbing whoever is powerful and wants to kick it with me. Basically. And so, like, I got a couple Death Knights. I got a couple of Ghoul Kings or mm-hmm. whatever, like, yeah, you know. I got this. I've been breeding Pokemon, and I got the best competitive dragon Pokemon imaginable. Yeah, like right. we like on the last Demon Lord episode we had, mm-hmm. there was the that Lich Pirate or whatever. Yeah, that was super dope. Yeah, uh, just like, okay, random though, but all right. There's no fucking way I'm not putting a Lich Pirate in your fucking D&D campaign that I'm running for you guys right Hell now, yeah. eventually. I will hopefully it'll, kill it'll come the out Lich out of Pirate. Nowhere. We'll, see. We'll, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> My phylactery <laughs> is my boat. I know, right? <laughs> part of the ship, part of the crew. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> So you asked for it, Will. You I, got it. I really did. The seat of Orcus's power lies on the 113th layer of the abyss, known as Thanatos. Thanatos is a bleak, frozen, mountainous wasteland populated by barren moors, ruined cities, twisted forests, and various tombs, mausoleums, and graveyards and sarcophagi. So it's just like a like a. Like it's like a hor- walking into Castlevania. It's like walking into a like a book of horrible tales. Yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, there we go. I like that. Just, they're all um, there at once. The sky here is completely black, but it is. Uh, drearily moonlit by a moon that constantly is changing phases at random. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Every time the clouds pass over it, you never know what's going to happen. So it makes keeping dragon time really difficult. Okay. The air here is also too thin for living beings to breathe. Oh. And uh, edible food and drinkable water are pretty much non-existent. This is a place for the dead, not a place for the living. And this is the way Orcus fucking likes it. (laughs) Nice. Um, Hordes of the undead swarm here. They swarm the land and any mortal that dies here will become an undead servant of Orcus by okay. the nature of the plane itself. And it sounds like you've got like three to four minutes of, of living before you become an undead servant of Orcus. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So according to Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, Orcus rules from a palace in the undead city of Neratir. But in literally every other source, Fivey or not, uh, it says that he actually rules from the capital city of Everlost. So this is a choose-your-own-adventure at this point. Yeah. Um, so Neratir is a fortress city surrounded by a moat that's fed by the River Styx. I think we said this before, but the River Styx flows through all the negative planes. Yeah, through like every single one, apparently. Every single one, yeah. Which makes, uh, what are those things called? The, um, the Eugoliths. The Eugoliths. Those guys are... Very valuable. Yes, they they're starting. To, I'm starting to see their worth in this mm-hmm. this whole bit. It's hard to travel up the river Styx without the Eugoliths. Yeah, sure. I can just straight up go to Orcus's like palace if I know how to navigate the river Styx. Very much so. Yeah, cool. It might take me a fucking thousand years, but what's a thousand years when time is nothing? Right. So at the city center is an enormous castle made of bone, with the interior walls made of flesh and carpets made of woven hair. Oh, that's like the opposite. Oh, the carpets are literally made of hair? Yep. That's a bad metaphor gone literal. That's the Mordenkainen's Orcus' palace lore. 
Um, and every other uh, what kind of hair? Will um, human hair? I don't know. Elven hair? More specific. Mortal hair? I'm just kidding. Okay. Anyways. Continue. Um, <laughs> Everlost, which is the place that everywhere else says that Orcus lives, is also a fortress. Um, it's bigger than the Bone Palace of Narratir, and it's essentially this immense tower that's also made of bone, and it sits at the center of this sprawling desert made of bone meal. This bone meal desert. Oh, gross. And this desert is known as Oblivion's End. So he either lives in a bone castle made of uh, also made of flesh, or he lives in a bone tower in the middle of bone desert. So much calcium. So, so much calcium. With that being said, let's take a short rest. Okay. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about the last thing we were talking about. We're talking about how much we love you, the listener. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, thank you for listening to the Dungeon Cast. I wanted to thank everybody that was uh, moderating our Discord. Because um, we don't do that. I, I kind of do it. Sort of, I guess. I just peek in from time to time. Yeah. We're talking about. I think I'm in there more often than Will is, just kind of surveying. But... Um, yeah, thank you guys so much. You know who you are, um, and the, and people in the Discord know who you are. You can find a link to our Discord below. Um, just thank you guys so much. I can't keep saying it enough. Uh, what how good of a job you guys are doing. If you 
this show is kind of for new people, right? Like, or not necessarily, but for newer people to D&D, it really does help. If you have like specific questions that we're not addressing here on the show, it is being addressed in the Discord by the moderators mostly, it seems. Yeah. Um, you guys are very smart, intelligent, and f- funny, kind people. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, I just want to plug our Patreon real quick. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. If you like this show, if you're if you're into D&D, we're doing a lot of cool stuff there that I think you're going to like. Uh, it's patreon.com slash the Dungeon Cast. Uh, you guys can go check that out. Um, Will, do you want to hit a uh, conversation real quick about the, the contest we're running after you finish your onion ring? <laughs> Goddamn, call me out. Those <laughs> onion rings are fucking delicious. Hell yeah. <laughs> Number one, I concur with everything Ryan just said. Number two, though, we are totally running a contest that we're announcing winners on November 20th. We are giving away two copies of the newest D&D book, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is both a new player and DM source book, but it's also a new uh, D&D setting, so it looks really exciting. And the way that you can enter this contest to win one of these two books is by sharing the show on social media or online or word of mouth or however it is that you want to share the show and then send us proof that you did so. You can send us a video recording of you sharing it word of mouth. That happened. That that Yeah, that's happened a few times. And I love it. And uh, you could also just send a screenshot of you sharing it on Facebook or via email or Tumblr or Instagram or however. Just let us know and show us that you're sharing the show and you'll be entered into the contest. We're on Instagram, The Dungeon Cast. We're on Twitter, at The Dungeon Cast. You can email us, thedungeoncast at gmail.com. You can just, like, do whatever, just like how Will was saying. Um, but, yeah, thanks for everybody that is um, participating in the contest, sharing uh, sharing the show, getting the word out about the show. That's the main cause. If you guys want to help us, that's the main way to do it is just tell people about the show. Uh, thank you guys very much for doing that. And one last thing we want to plug is our uh, our biweekly game that we've been putting out that Will DMs, Super Quest Saga, has been out for like a month now. There should be two episodes. There should be two episodes up, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, go check it out. It's us playing D&D. You'll probably enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, enjoying it. It's a kick-ass time. <laughs> the story's really good. I love all our characters. That being said, I think we should get back to the show. Let's get back to the show. Returned. We've returned. I have a story to tell you, Brian. I love story time with Will. Will Story Corner. Let's it's a, go. It's a story of Orcus. I'm ready to sit back and not say much for a while. <laughs> so unlike unlike most demon lords, um, who were probably at born demons, you know, born in the abyss, Orcus is actually kind of a success story of a human mortal, a self-made demon. He's a, he's a self-made man. So long ago, in time immemorial, Orcus's life began as a mortal human whose name has now been long lost to time. What is known about this guy, though, is that in life he was a wicked spellcaster whose evil deeds eventually led to their death. After his death, his soul ended up passing to the outer plane of the abyss and became a lowly demonic larvae, as all souls that come to the abyss do. From there, his newly formed demon, this newly formed demon, rose through the demonic ranks from larva to maness to rudderkin to nelfishne or nelfeshni, nelfeshni, nelfishne, whatever. Demon, <laughs> demon names are hard to pronounce. What, it's that big fat pig one. You know, yeah, yeah. I always think of it yeah. when you like, and I have to stop myself from like trying to guess its name. Yeah, yeah. that's an Elfishney. Okay. Anyways, he becomes one of those, um, and he just keeps accruing power, and eventually he accrues enough power and gains a high enough form to conquer the 113th layer of the abyss cool. and become the demon lord that we know as Orcus today. So, <laughs> <laughs> take me through Orcus Corp. What has he created? It sounds—it sounds like I just got hired at the fucking abyss. Or whatever. I know, right? I'm trying to <laughs> tell you the history of the company you just got hired at. Yeah. Um. 
So uh, it's at this point that he he asserts himself as a patron of undeath because he hates all things that are living. He ends up creating the first 12 Death Knights also at this point. Um, here is also where his rivalry with Demogorgon begins because uh, all of a sudden there's this new big <laughs> there's this new big uh, power on the block. And Demogorgon's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Ogres is like, what's up, bro? So, uh, so yeah, they go at it. So at some point, it's not explicitly explicitly state, stated how, and that's going to be a common theme throughout Orcus' story, but it is stated that Orcus ends up achieving godhood, like minor deity. Dumb. Okay. Um, now, I have two theories on how. Uh, one being that since his cult is known to be the most like prolific and the most devout, it may have been that the culmination of all the faith among his followers ended up raising him to apotheosis and he became a god that way. Okay. And like that is how some gods become gods in DD. He just like um, invaded enough people's dreams and they started believing in Orcus. Right. There you all go. Right. Now, the number two theory, and I kind of like this one better, um, it's said that the skull that forms the head of his infamous wand um, once belonged to a minor deity of valor and good whose name has actually now been forgotten to time. Um, this, this, I have your residual god powers. Uh, yeah. Just in well, my yeah, this minor deity challenged Orcus to a duel, made the mistake of showing up in Orcus's home plane, and Orcus killed the fuck out of him, and then used his skull to mount his rod. Wow, that was isn't that like super risky? So that deity yeah. came there to like kill, kill Orcus. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Oh, like, wow. He came to kill Orcus, and Orcus fucking killed him. It's like nah, bro, you're in my home. Yeah, took his skull, put it on his wand, and then that could have also led to his godhood. Nice. Okay, I'm sure so, it didn't hurt. I'm sure it didn't hurt. Either way, those are my two theories. So either way, at this point, Orcus becomes um, the most powerful entity in the Abyss, if not at least tied with Loth for the most uh, powerful entity. You know, in in the Demogorgon episode, you know, we talk about how he's like the most powerful of demon lords, but uh, we left out of the conversation. Loth definitely outpowers him because Loth is a god. Yeah, I guess that's true, huh? Because yeah. yeah. Loth's not just a demon lord. Yeah, she is a deity. So and if we're tagging it just like most powerful demon lord, just that demon lord tag i guess right. i guess that's true yeah um but wh- uh, why okay so what what's with orcus that like would put him a tick below cuz it tick like, below loth you know oh oh well big, okay well like i said orcus was a god okay he's no longer a god and we'll, well yeah, get to that yeah. part of the story okay. but when he when orcus was a god he was definitely the most powerful entity in the abyss totally. besides maybe loth who okay. would have had him tied and so without that tag on him he's he's a yeah without below. that tag loth is probably the most powerful entity in the abyss maybe there's some obscure one that might be more powerful than her but the main thing about her is she's not involved in the blood war. She doesn't give a shit about demons or oh, property really? in the abyss. No, she, she cares about, about elves. Oh, yeah. Elves, elves, elves. <laughs> nice. Spiders and elves. <laughs> Spiders and elves. Yeah. So anyways. Um, so either way, uh, at this point, Oricus is the most powerful. Uh, but in his great power, he ends up growing very lazy and very complacent. And again, it's not stated explicitly how or why, but the drow goddess Kiran Sali, who is like the drow... Uh, we talked about the Dark Seldarin. Yeah. You know, basically, they're like Loth's Dark Pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Karen Sali is the goddess of undeath among among the drow. Well, she attacks Orcus, and through treachery and surprise, she fucking kills him. Oh! Because <laughs> he just got lazy. He got sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So in one immense blow, she ends up conquering his realm. She takes command of his armies, and she sets about destroying every written record of Orcus's existence. Oh! Um, she hides his wand in like the lowest plane of Pandemonium, which is another one of the negative planes that will get into an episode. That? 
Huh? Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just start wielding this? Because bad boy? the wand is in, it's it's, loyal to Orcus. It's like it's like the One Ring. It, oh it's, yeah, it's a part it's, of Orcus. It's a, it's actually an extension of his power. He infused part of his soul into it. So it's a Horcrux, and yeah, it's so, like the One Ring, really. Yeah, if you don't, um, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah, I still like the idea of it being a Horcrux though, because it sounds like this is some Horcrux shit is about yeah. to happen. Or I guess One Ring. Yeah, yeah okay, it's like the One wield Ring. his Horcruxes. You know what I mean? Uh, he kind of does. Voldemort's Horcrux definitely sticks a snake on people. Uh, Voldemort's Voldemort's Horcruxes are like a lich's phylactery. Yes, like. Orcus's wand is like the one ring. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm with it. All right. All right. So she hides it in the bottom of uh, Pandemonium, which is another plane of existence. It'll get its own episode. Because she couldn't get to Mordor. Indeed. Uh, and then she forbid all her new minions from ever uttering the name of Orcus. Nice. Good job. Now, he remained dead for about a thousand years. Eventually, though, through the collaboration of the Lich of Sararak, who is that legendary Lich we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, he ends up kind of collaborating with the last remaining priest of Orcus. And so Aserarach basically starts siphoning enormous quantities of negative energy from a demiplane that Orcus actually created when he was a god. Okay. Basically. It's not the abyss? It's like a different... No. Okay, so there was a city of people that used to worship him. Okay. And then they saw the error of their ways and started worshiping a sun god. And so when he... (laughs) (laughs) So when when he uh, became a god, he was like, well, fuck those guys. And he cursed them to... uh, What was the curse? He cursed the entire city to be afflicted with... um, Basically, they would be constantly asleep. And the only thing that could ever wake them would be the light of the sun which they worshipped, and then he took the city, created a demiplane with no sunlight, and took the city away. Okay, cool. So that happened. And they all just slept themselves to death. Yeah, well, yeah, they just sleep for eternity. Okay. Yeah, so anyways, that happened. Uh, so Aserak <laughs> so is siphoning enormous quantities of negative energy from this demiplane that Orc has created, and the the final... Impre- okay, so the, the last remaining priest of Orcus like, gives a final and impassioned prayer like on his deathbed as this is also happening. And this culmination of events resurrects Orcus. Because <laughs> he throws the fucking spirit bomb? Well, like, basically, like, okay, so... This is him just like, people of the negative plane, give it, me your energy. Well, no, it, no, see, he's not taking it from the people. He's taking it from, the, from plane. the plane. itself, Yeah, sure. so basically what's happening here is enough energy is being concentrated, and then enough faith is being applied to bring about Orcus's consciousness again. This still, all everything you said still tracks with my narrative, my narrative that this <laughs> is the, ne- the negative spirit bomb. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. So, um, so, okay, so yeah, it resurrects Orcus, but he's not quite the same being he's kind of a shadow of his former self um he, he's basically he looks like a like a wraith like a wraith of orcus oh shit like so, orcus risen like, sure yeah okay yeah. This sure is, yeah he's, he's he's a shadow of his former self um he he ends up renaming himself uh tenebris at this point uh a new name for his new wraith-like form uh he ends up summoning his minions to him but his minions were killed, like his, his powerful minions. Oh, yeah, um, okay, like his top-tier dudes. Yeah, his top-tier demon dudes. He uh, he summons them, but they were dead. But because he's a god of undead, he ends up, when he summons them, he unsummons, like, new undead demons called visages. <laughs> okay. So he's got these new dudes to roll with him. It's just like the same squad as before, but, but they're the dead. shadow squad. Exactly, they're the okay. shadow squad of what they were before, for sure. Okay. The story's silly, but we'll keep telling it. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay. So he summons his minions, and he starts setting uh, setting about plotting his revenge. 
Uh, while scheming, Tenebris learns of a forbidden power known as the Last Word. And the Last Word is a spell so powerful only a god can cast it without being destroyed. Uh, a lesser being even knowing the like the the even having the knowledge of how to cast the spell would be destroyed by that knowledge. Like Ooh. it's that potent of a spell. And it's a spell that can be used to literally slay gods. <laughs> me reading it, accidentally cast it. Like me memorizing it is bad for me because well, it like just makes the spell go off. The way it's described is like if you if like a mortal were to like even attempt memorizing it, they would just disintegrate to ash. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so um so yeah he learns about this power and um he he ventures forth to the lowest level of Aboria, which is one of the positive planes, which will get its own episode. Okay. And he ends up gaining the power of the last word, but quickly realizes that the knowledge is eating away at him like a cancer because he is no longer a god. Right, all right. So he's got a problem. Mm. He's slowly dying. Uh, he realizes that the only chance he has to reattain godhood is to locate his wand to give him a power boost. So he ends up going back to the, the drawing board and plotting and plotting, and uh, he ends up using the last word to slay a few gods to get information and to get a bunch of minions um, and sets them about finding where the fuck the wand is. Wow, shit. So he ends up finding the wand, right? He's putting some like desperation, some like urgency in his his motivation. Definitely. Okay. So, um, so he ends up figuring out where the wand is. But uh, he ends up getting thwarted by uh, a pesky group of adventuring mortals. <laughs> because this is an adventure module called the Reverse Dungeon. Oh, so if you okay. play this, this is a second edition reverse module. Uh, this is a second edition um, adventures module called the Reverse Dungeon, where you would literally go and thwart Orcus from getting his wand. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. Um, so Orcus has like a in this version of Orcus' story, he's got mm-hmm. this like pretty like it's a. Completed story arc, continuity. Yeah. yeah. Like, now I had to piece this shit together, my dude. Like, a, like there's a lot of source books with a lot of scattered bullshit. Yeah. But magazines is, and shit. Yeah. This is <laughs> this is yeah. Here it is. When I did mine, I realized like how many different little like tidbits you have to like <laughs> pile together to make this shit make any sense. It's true. So um so he gets thwarted and then the last word eventually kills him. Okay. Because he just he can't handle just, like, it. Just like like. So he dies again. Yeah. Second death. <laughs> okay. Two times. So this, of course, does not end Orcus's tale. Um, the wand of Orcus is eventually procured by Orcus's cult members because he he renewed his cult when he came back to life as Tenebris. Yeah, Shadow Cult. Shadow Cult. Um, they end up performing a dark ritual to restore Orcus to his full power pre-godhood. Ooh. So he's no longer divinity, but he's also no longer Tenebris. He's back to the good old Orcus. <laughs> they found the blueprints of OG Orcus, yes. the one that did all the hard work. Status quo preserved, right. basically, is what I, I'm getting from this. Um, now that he's got his power back for the most part, he comes back to Thanatos with a vengeance, scares off Kieran Salee, who goes back to wherever the fuck she was coming from. <laughs> wherever the Dark Seldorine hang out. I don't think they hang out in the Demon Web Pits, but maybe they do. Um yeah, like I said, stat- status quo restored. We got our Orcus back. Cool. And he's Orcus again. All right, and so just a full reset on that one. Indeed, a full circle. Okay. So in the current timeline, Orcus is mostly preoccupied by the Blood War, constantly warring with Demogorgon and Grotz, who are like his two biggest rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, he He's allied himself with Yinagu, who is the demon lord of the Gnolls. He'll get his own episode. And he kicks the shit out of Baphomet quite a lot. Okay. So. <laughs> who he'll also get his own episode. So yeah, in in 4E uh there's a lot of lore differences, but one of the major ones is that Orcus has major beef with the Raven Queen and he's basically trying to kill her 
and take her god oh, the death thing and conquer uh, yeah, the shadow okay. fell that's his deal in four e. God, everyone has such a complicated relationship with death like, <laughs> i know i know it's right. true so with that being said let's actually uh look at the orca stat block because it's they get fuck they fucking got one and it's really cool so orcas is a challenge rating uh 26 <laughs> monster so Neat. incredibly powerful um, just for uh, like comparison's sake, the the TMS stat block is at a thirty. So this is why I say Lothus outpowers Orcus because if if Loth is a minor deity, she's at she's got to be at least a thirty like TMS. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Anyways, uh, natural armor of a seventeen, just fucking ability scores off the charts. We're talking strength twenty seven, constitution twenty five, intelligence twenty, wisdom twenty, charisma twenty five, dexterity only a fourteen though. He's kind of fat. <laughs> Dude, that charisma mod, like I know he's got a very powerful person. Can you imagine like Orcus trying to sweet talk you? <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's charming, but I think he can enforce his will upon you. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna get that plus five on that roll. You For know? sure. Yeah, he 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 resists. You're fall in love with Orcus on accident. No, thank I'm gonna you. be in your control. He resists cold fire, lightning. He's immune to necrotic poison and any weapon damage that's not magical. He's immune to it. Immune to being charmed, exhausted, frightened, or poisoned. Um, he has true sight for 120 feet, so good luck sneaking up on him. Mm. Uh, he has telepathy and can speak all languages. Nice. Yeah. Okay, all languages. So <laughs> they finally, we finally did it. Yeah. <laughs> they they want you to, man. D and D really wants you to know so many languages. They they want everyone to know all languages. They want everyone to be able to talk to each other. Yeah, basically is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> Um, he's he's got innate spell casting, cast all these fucking crazy spells. Um, he's got legendary resistance, uh, where three times a day he if he fails a saving throw, he can just succeed if he chooses. Okay. Um, magic resistance, Orcus has advantage on all saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Um, he's got his wand, which has a really complex feature that I'm going to read verbatim. So the wand, the wand of Orcus has seven charges, and any of its properties that require a saving throw have a save DC of eighteen. While holding it, Orcus can use an action to cast Animate Dead, Blight, or Speak with Dead. Alternatively, he can expend one or more of the wand's charges to cast one of the following spells from it. Circle of Death, excuse me, Finger of Death, or Power Word Kill. The wand regains 1d4 plus 3 charges daily at dawn. While holding the wand, Orcus can use an action to conjure undead creatures whose combined average hit points don't exceed 500. Oh. So a lot of undead. Yeah. These undead magically rise up from the ground or otherwise from an unoccupied form in unoccupied spaces within 300 feet of Orcus and obey his commands until they are destroyed or until he dim- dismisses them as an action. Once this property of the wand is used, the property can't be used again until the next dawn. His wand also gets a mul- uh, gets a multi attack. So uh, let me see here. I can just whoop the shit out of you. Yeah, he, he, uh, Orcus loves to fight in melee. That's kind of his <laughs> oh, forte. Nice. He likes to get up in the face of the things he's killing. So uh, if you get smacked by the wand of Orcus, um, <laughs> okay. So flavor wise, his wand supposed to, is just supposed to kill living things on contact. But mechanics wise, um, it does three d eight plus eight bludgeoning damage plus two d twelve necrotic damage, oh. and he can do it twice. Oh God! Um, I forgot to mention he has a poisonous reptilian tail. That kind of seems to be a, a thing with demons. They yeah. have like crazy tails that yeah. do cool stuff. And he does. Um, his tail uh, does three eight three d eight plus eight piercing damage plus two d eight poison damage. Um, he also has legendary actions. Um, he has he can take three legendary actions or his three legendary points and. Um, he can spend them every turn as he pleases. So he can make an extra tail attack using one point. 
He can cast Chill Touch uh, using another point, or he can use two points to use an ability called Creeping Death. So Orcus will choose a point on the ground that he can see within 100 feet of him and a cylinder of swirling necrotic energy 60 feet tall and 10 feet uh, with a 10-foot radius rise up from that point and last until the end of Orcus's next turn. Creatures in that area have vulnerability to necrotic damage. So he'll basically, he can create a zone where if you're in that zone, he does double damage to it. Fuck, that's yeah. intense. Indeed. This is a formidable foe. Indeed, yeah. No, he'll fuck you up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's Orcus. Uh, I don't know if you get any questions about uh, the big man. No, that's that was really cool. Um, finally, getting like uh, getting such a complete picture of all all these all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I think I think he's a fan favorite just because uh, he's got kind of a cool, menacing look, and uh, him being a demon lord that's specifically in charge of undead kind of just sets him apart. He's a little bit yeah, different yeah. that way. Okay. And then I think everyone likes the fact that like. He was immortal and became this entity. People like that kind of. He really you know, uh, earned his way up the ranks. Yeah, and I get, fell from grace, and now he's like, okay, you get a reset. Right, he tried. I really, again, I get the Vegeta Goku uh, dynamic between Demogorgon and him. Like Demogorgon is kind of <laughs> born into his power as this yeah. naturally powerful thing. Right. Well, uh, Vegeta or Orcus basically worked for it and like is a complete fucking asshole about it, but <laughs> certainly earned the power. I like it. That's yeah. a good analog. So. So with that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. The Dungeon Cast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.